This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. Thank you, Lord. I was just sitting there and the Lord, the Lord said, hey, son, don't think you're just throwing something in the service today. And, and you need to explain to Church on the Rock that everything's done with precision and purpose and reason. Amen. And if you don't know that, um, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And, and, and we, we, we want to be led by the Spirit and not by our heads. Amen. We are in a series called A Colorful Collection. A colorful collection. And uh, last week I began reading in the book of Nehemiah. Or am I? Yes. I'm going to use my, yeah, I'm going to try something today. I'm going to use my Bible today. <laughs> Novel idea. If you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Last year, uh, the, in, in reading verse 1, it says, in late autumn, in the month of Keslev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the, for, I was at the for, fortress of Susa, Hannah. One of my brothers came to visit me. Last week we talked about this. Imagine that you were just hanging out somewhere on a Sunday afternoon or hanging out somewhere, and one of your brothers from a thousand miles away, this was a four-day journey from Jerusalem to this place, uh, came and, and you were just hanging out, and when you were there, uh, Nehemiah did this. He said, hey, how are the Jews doing? How are the Jews doing? And then he said, and how is everything going in Jerusalem? And then after he asked that question, and last week I challenged you that as we go out into the world, ask some questions. Say, hey, how is thus and so doing? How's your family doing? If you notice somebody uh, uh, seems sad or, or, or depressed or you notice they're edgy or having a hard day or you hear that they're uh, uh, going in for a surgery or something's happening in their life that you know is very challenging and they're in a struggle. God's calling God's 300 to just ask and say, hey, how's things going? How's things going at home? And when that happened, uh, he said, hey, it's not going real good. The walls are broke down. Jerusalem's lying in ruin. Uh, it, the people are, 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 are suffering. They're hungry. It, the, the name of the Lord seems to be disgraced and all that. When Nehemiah heard this, the scripture says in your Bible, when he heard this, he began to pray. And when he prayed, he said this. He said, O God of heaven, this great and awesome God who keeps his covenant with unfailing love to those who love him. And then he goes on and he says, so first he acknowledges God's love. And then he goes on and he says, I ask forgiveness. He said, I ask forgiveness for my nation. And then he said, you know what? I ask forgiveness for my people. And then he broke it down again. He said, you know, I ask forgiveness for my family. And then he broke it down one more time. And he said, I ask forgiveness for myself. And brothers and sisters, when there is a struggle or there is a ruin or there is a disappointment or things aren't going well, we worship the God of heaven that loves us, as the song sang today, that loves us with all that he has. He showed us his love. but But then we move into repentance where we have a change in our mind and we open ourselves up to say, hey, God, what is it that you're saying to me? But Nehemiah repented. And then, he, and then he, he, he reminded God of his love and he repented and he said, please remember us. And then down here at the bottom, 
He said this, please grant me success in verse 11. He said, please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. Brothers and sisters, I want us to realize that when we begin to attack an issue or a situation, whether it's in your business, if there's a crisis or there's something you're attacking in your business, whether it's something you're attacking uh, at the place you work, whether it's something that's going on in a relationship, whether it's something going on in a marriage, whatever it is, we, we start with that prayer, we do that repentance, but then we get to the bottom of that prayer and we say, God, I ask you to put favor in people's heart. Look how it said that. He says, but grant me to have success. Grant me to have success by making the king favorable to me. In other words, give me favor as I go forward, as I pursue. Give me grace to be able to be a world changer and to change some things. He said that. And then he said, put it in the king's heart to do this for me. Do you know when you go on a business deal, you can say, Lord, let it be a favorable thing. Put it in this person's heart that there's a connection with my company so that this business can go forth. Do you know when you're having a relationship problem, you can say, oh, Lord, soften the hearts. Give me favor with this person that's displeased with me. Give me favor in this relationship that's challenged. Guys, we've got to bring prayer into the things that we're trying to change in our life. We've got to, we've got to see God's love. We've got to repent of, our, of things where it comes clear down to, I need to repent. I need to say I'm sorry. But then we need to say, Lord, work this situation out. Work this problem out between my, me and my wife. Work this problem out in our, in our business that's causing a decline in us to operate in the red. Put it in the king's heart. Put it in my wife's heart to love me again. Put it in my husband's heart to make it where we have the love of our youth again. Lord, put it in people's hearts when I go to them that I walk in favor and I walk in spiritual blessing. Are y'all with me today? We've got to get God in the center of things we're going through. I think we're out there trying to do things in ourselves and trying to uh, operate and trying to make things happen without the repentance, without the prayer, without the grace, and without the favor and spiritual blessing of the Lord going before us. Did you know in the Old Testament, they used to send the praisers out ahead of the army? Today, we always want to send out the arm of flesh first and what I can do or what I can make this change. We always go first to the arm of flesh. But the scripture says, woe unto the man that trusts in the arm of flesh, for it will always fail you. But blessed is the man, but blessed is the man who trust in the strong arm of the Lord, for he will never fail you. I believe that we've got to get yoked with Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that are, that are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's yoke up with Jesus Let's yoke up with his, his strength, his abilities, his power, and, and, and quit re relying on ourselves and our abilities to do these things. And this is what Nehemiah did. And when this happens, uh, verse 
11 says, in those days, I was a king's cupbearer. This guy went from cupbearer, serving a king as a slave, to leader of a major of a major campaign to literally change a city. He went from cup bearer to master builder. He went from cup bearer to amazing leader leading tens of thousands of people because God graced him and God was with him. Everybody say God has to be with us. You know, I don't pray for... If you really want to... Uh, uh, to me, when, when, when we're doing things and, and we're, and we're um, looking at situations that we want to change, sometimes we need to do this and say, God, I pray for an idea. I pray for an idea. I pray for a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. And then we steward that idea and we see God do something very miraculous. But, but we, we need that grace. And then look over here at chapter 2. You can go on reading. Um, when, when he got this word, just for historical, when he got this word, it was like November or December, okay? But when he went before the king and talked to the king about it, it was in the spring, like in April or May. So just to give you a little bit of a timetable there. Well, finally, he went up. Notice he asked God, he said, Lord, give me favor before the king, Lord, give me help. Let, 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 let him see me. Uh, go before me. Notice he prayed that in his prayer. Now look at this in verse 4. The king noticed something was wrong with him in verse 3, and he said that, that, the gates, that my city was in ruin and the gates have been destroyed with fire. Look at this. The king asked. He didn't have to push his agenda. The king asked him, how, well, how can I help you? This is a worldly king. This isn't a person that fears God or loves the same God that Nehemiah serves and loves. He said, how can I help you? Why did that king say, how can I help you? Because of the prayer that went up in November and December. The prayers that went up that were saying this, please grant me success by making the king favorable to me. Please put it in the king's heart to be kind unto me. I repent to you of my backslidings. I repent to you for the things that's that's about my nation. And then the Lord says, your nation? Okay, I repent about those things which are about my city. Well, that's okay about your city. Well, I repent about the way that my wife is or my business is. Oh, really? Oh, but I repent. He finally got about, I repent about the way that I am. And then he went before the king. And the king said, how can I help you? And then I noticed this in verse 4. It says, with a prayer to the God of heaven. We still see that Nehemiah was walking in the flesh and not, walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. We still see that he was God cognizant. We still see that he was God minded. That it was God first in every endeavor. When the king said this, how can I help you? This just jumped off at me this morning when I was reading. With a prayer to the God of heaven, I spoke. How many times do we speak without the prayer to God of heaven? How many times do we act and do 
without the prayer to God of heaven asking if we should act or we should do or we should go. And how many messes do we get ourselves into? Nehemiah, when the king said, how can I help you? How can I help you? With a humility and with a prayer to heaven, he said, I replied. And then notice the humility. Notice the humility and not, it says, if it pleased the king, and if you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are, are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, well, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to the request. Breakthrough. God moving before him. A city in ruins. Something needed to be done. He heard the news. He heard what was happening. A burden was a call. There wasn't a, a, a dream or a vision or an angel of the Lord came and spoke to him. It was simply... He heard a need, and he heard of suffering, and he said, I got to do something about this. How many of us, oh church, hear people's needs? Are we so caught up in our own suffering, in our own situations, that our ears have grown deaf to the world that's around us? How many times, oh Levite and church person, how many times, priest, Do we walk by the person that's been robbed and left on the road for dead? And how many times does the Samaritan, the Samaritan stop and help when all the church people walk by and all the priests walk by? God is calling us to have our ears tuned and our eyes looking and our head on a spindle to be his hands and feet to a a people. Amen. But when we do that, God goes before. God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. He gave him that request. Now, the second thing he said is he said, I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have uh, addressed letters to the governors of the province where the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And, pl- and please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's force, instructing him to give me timber. <laughs> Think about that. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for the house for myself. Look at this. So he, what he asked for, first he asked for favor on the first request. The second request he asked for was protection. He asked for favor. Then he asked for protection. The favor was, hey, can I go? The king said, yeah, you can go. That was favor. The second thing he said, man, I need protected. Yeah, and, and the king offered protection. In fact, when Nehemiah went, the king sent him with a whole bunch of army guys with him, okay, to protect him. When you go in the name of the Lord and God's grace is on you, his resource and his provision is also on you. Amen? And then the last thing, he said, hey, I need timbers to build. I need timbers to build this wall. Guys, this was a massive project. This was out of the human realm. This was in the God realm. 
How many of your situations are out of the human realm? They're out of your, your control, what you can do, your abilities. Everyone, every bit of this was out of his control, outside of his abilities, and, with, and outside of his financial resources. But God was with him. Is God with you? Is God with you? But God, here's the, defi- here's the difference. But God was with you. If God is with you, whatever you put your hands to will succeed. If God is with you, wherever your feet go, you will possess that land. If God is with you, there is no financial situation that can stop you. If God be with you, there is no government, there is no law, or there there is nothing that can stop God's purposes from going forward. If, 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 I even say if people tried to stop something in civil authority, tried to stop what Church on the Rock was doing, I would give them a warning, and then you'd probably see them lose their job. You believe that? I sure do. Because God's word will go forth, period. If God is with us, who can be against us? You know, I want to get into... This is all good and stuff, but I want to get into some nitty-gritty. The king granted these requests. Look at this. This is verse uh, 8. The king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was upon him. Another place that you ought to read is Genesis chapter 39. It blows my mind because it says, Joseph was a very successful and a prosperous man. And right when it says that is when he was just sold into slavery. He was just abandoned by his brothers, thrown into a pit, stripped naked of his coat of many colors, sold to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites took him down to Potiphar's house, sold him to a slave, sold him as a slave to be a servant in a land he didn't even know the language. And the next verse says, the man Joseph was a prosperous man. He was a successful man in everything that he did because the Lord is with him. Brothers and sisters, I don't care where you're at today. I mean, I do care. I do care where you're at. But, I mean, I don't care in this way. There's no ifs, ands, and buts where you're at in your situation. If God is with you, you are prosperous. You are successful. Well, it don't look that way right now. We walk by faith, not by sight. And brothers and sisters, I, I, I've got to, I've got to, I just got to get into a couple things that, how many know that we don't always like medicine, but we need it sometimes? I, I got to give you some truth because I believe God wants, I believe he is with you. He makes you prosperous no matter what your situation You know who's killing your situation most likely? Probably you. And somebody's got to have the intestinal fortitude to not worry about building numbers in a church and love people enough to say, it could be you. 
is why things are stopped up. It could be you. Why? So I want to talk about a thing, couple things. In Nehemiah 2.13, it says, After dark, I went through the valley gate past the, I want you to notice this, past the jackal's wall. Everybody say jackal's wall. And over to the dung gate. Does everybody know what dung gate is? To inspect the broken walls and the burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went up to this valley inspecting the wall. Everybody say inspecting the wall. Inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again. When I read that the other day, the Lord gave this to me. He said, Brian, Nehemiah went right to the center. He went right to the core. He went right to the origin, the center of the issue, the problem, and the struggle, the center point of evil. Jackal's well in the Hebrew means the serpent's well. He went right to the devil's hellhole. He went right to the serpent's well. He went right to the place where the dung was at. And you know what dung is. And he went right to the place where the walls were broken and the gates were still smoldering with fire. Brothers and sisters, I believe before we can move on into our potential and move on to what God wants us to do, we have to view the wall and assess the situation with an inspection of truthfulness. You, have to, you can't live in la-la land. You have to view the wall and assess the situation in honesty. The Bible parallels Nehemiah's viewing the broken walls of Jerusalem with a broken spirit. Are you all with me? Broken walls, broken spirit. Okay? The Lord spoke this. The breakdown may come, but the breakdown brings the breakthrough. The Lord spoke that to me last night when I was praying. The Lord said that you may be feeling like things are being broken down, but before the breakthrough can happen, there has to be a breakdown, a breaking down, a brokenness. There There has to be a brokenness in people to get breakthrough and blessedness. Did everybody hear that? There has to be a breaking, the crust of pride, the crust of self, the crust of stubbornness, the crust of criticalness, the crust of anger, the crust of hurt, the crust of pain. It has to be chipped through to where we get to a place of brokenness. Brokenness. The Bible, the Bible says that there's a parallel. It says, after dark, I went through the valley part, past the jackal's well, the dung gate, to inspect the broken walls. That word broken walls comes from the Hebrew word, write this down, shavar. Shavar. And shavar means to crush, to smash, to break into pieces. So Nehemiah physically went and saw a physical wall that was crushed into pieces, that was smashed, that was broken and and crushed down. And the gates were being burned. 
Now write this down if it's not in your notes. Psalms 51, 17 and 18. Write that down. Psalms 51, 17 and 18. The sacrifice that God desires is a broken spirit. Notice that word broken. Broken is the, is the same Hebrew word as the broken of the walls. And that means that your spirit is poor. It is crushed. It is, it is, it is broken down. It is smashed. It is broken in pieces. The people that get to that point, listen, before the breakthrough, there's usually a breakdown. Before there's a breakthrough, there's usually a brokenness. Before blessedness, there's brokenness. Before breakthrough, the Bible says a broken spirit, look at this, you will not reject a broken and a repentant heart, O God. Look with favor, O Zion. That means church. Look at with favor to your people. That's not hard for God to do. He loves you so much. And help her rebuild her life. The potential of a broken spirit. When we view the scene of broken walls in our life, we see ruin, we see pain, we see affliction. We see the enemy laughing, and it seems like he's got control. The pain and sorrow seem overwhelming, and we feel like we can't even know if we can go on. Listen, that is the place of potential. Today, when I was, when I was praying about this, he said, Brian, when you talk about brokenness, Put a spin on it where that's really a good time. When you get to that point of brokenness and breakdown, you are at that place where God can rebuild. It's getting ready to change. Roses are going to bloom again. Things are going to happen in a good way for you. Humility says... I need God. My way doesn't work. Tell me what I need to do. Do you know I can tell if, if I talk to a businessman that his business is not doing well, or I talk to a marriage that isn't doing well, or I talk to, uh, or I talk to somebody that's not doing well in their personal life, and I just ask questions and start listening, listen, do you know I can tell in five minutes talking one's with somebody if their situation is going to change. I can tell in five minutes if things are going to change for them. And sometimes I get so discouraged because I'm like, you know what I feel like sometimes when I talk to people? I feel like coach when we did something stupid in a football game. I feel like coach when we did something that was undisciplined and was not in our training and we did something that was disgraceful, and it brought a bad look upon him as a coach in our school to where you dreaded going to football practice after that game loser because you knew you was going to run until you felt like your legs were going to fall off and you wasn't going to get a water break. And I remember you would run until you felt like you couldn't run again 
But coach could discern if you still had that haughty spirit. If the lesson still wasn't learned. If, if, the, if you were still big in yourself and you still hadn't got it, he'd say, do another lap. And then you'd come in, you'd be like, and you're not there yet, do another lap. Coach, do another lap. If you're going to do two. Do another lap. I can tell in five minutes if people aren't broken. I can tell in five minutes if the business is going to stay just like it is because they aren't willing to change, because they know everything. I can tell in five minutes when a marriage isn't going to change because they know everything. I can tell in five seconds. I can tell it. And I just want to say, all right, I can't help you. Do another lap. I can't help you. Do another lap. But we, hopefully, we will get to a place to where we are poor in spirit. Because the Bible says happy. Blessed means makarios. It means happy. Does anybody want to be happy? Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man. Who is poor in spirit, for his is the kingdom of God. I see people claim the promises and call the kingdom of God down. They're not poor in spirit yet. It's just an activity. But when we get to a place of broken, where we quit, let me tell you when you're not broken. Pride says, I can do it myself, I don't need God. Pride won't face the truth. It can say it right in the word of God. You look at it, and then you walk out, and you still act the same way, and you don't change a little bit. James says that in James chapter 1, verse 22 through 24. The answers are there. You see it. You know it. You know what's hurting you. You know what it is, but you're unwilling to put into practice that word. God's not going to make you do his word. The Bible says that when we love God, we keep his commandments. God isn't going to force you to keep his commandments. Amen? Pride won't face the truth. Pride has all the answers. You know what? A prideful person, you can't even get a word in edgewise because they talk all the time. A prideful person's always talking. They never listen. Pride makes excuses. Pride blames. They won't take responsibility. It was the woman. Well, the woman says it was the serpent. Pride will not take responsibility. Pride lives in a fantasy world. I thank you, Lord, that I am such a a wonderful husband or a wonderful wife. I thank you, Lord, that I'm endued with such great wisdom that I'm an entrepreneur of a great business that really isn't doing anything. I thank you, Lord, that I'm this and that and that. But then there's a guy beating his chest, the penitent sinner, says, oh, God, help me. I need you. Pride lives in this fantasy world. Pride is haughty. It's condescending. 2 Samuel 2, 2 Samuel 22, 28 says, You will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty, and you will bring the haughty down. 
Pride is blindness. You know, one time, the Lord, when I deal with people where I'm like, I can tell in five minutes, nothing's changing. I, I like, it's hard for me to stay checked in. Because I'm, I'm the person, if a butterfly lands on the window, I'm, oh, there's a butterfly. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it's hard to keep my attention anyway. But when I know people wasting my time and God's time, and, and they're not at a place of brokenness, it's hard for me not to check out. Check out mentally. Because I'm like, you need to do another lap. Take another lap, man. Pride is blind. And sadly to say, blind people just can't see. Pride can't listen or heal truth that sets them free. You know what? I wrote this down one night I was praying this past week. Pride games brings you to a place, if you're not careful, you're going to be alone. Pride's going to bring you to a place where you're going to be alone if you're not careful. And I wrote this down. I hear a lot of people say, and I read the other day, I, I read the other day that people say that fear of death and fear of fear of death and fear of public speaking are the number one and two fears of a generation. I read that the other day. The fear of death. Like when you people are afraid of flying, you're, it's not really you're afraid of the plane, you're afraid of dying. It's the fear of death. And then the other thing is public speaking. Public speaking is the second one on things that people are afraid of. Hey, Bob, was your knees knocking last week? <laughs> Amen. Um, but I disagree. I think the number one fear is the fear of silence or being alone. We refuse to turn off our computers, turn off the phones, log off Facebook, and just sit in silence because it's in those moments that we might actually have to face up to who we really are and what's really happening. We fear silence like an invisible monster gnawing at us, ripping us open, and showing us our dissatisfaction. Silence or being alone is terrifying. Here's the good news. God gives us grace to succeed. I think the first step to get help or to change is to take a truthful inspection and go right to the core of things. And I told you a lot of things that's happening when you're not really being truthful and when nothing's really going to happen. But when you get to that place of brokenness, and you get to that, to be honest with you, our church is moving better right now than our 17 years of being a church. And I believe it's because we got to a place of brokenness and to a place of, it's all you, Lord. It's all you. Um, get, getting free of different things and stuff. But I, I, do, you know, do, you know, do you know this particular month is probably the very biggest giving month in the history of our church? And, and, and the attendance that we're having in summer is, is, is crazy good. And God just keeps bringing new people and people. And, uh, and, and we're in a great season. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more excited about Church on the Rock than I've ever been in my life. 
And, um, but anyway, but grace, what happened, to have that grace on you to succeed is the cry of the broken is heard. Psalms 3, 4 says, I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. Psalms 120, verse 1, it says, In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Jonah said in Jonah 2, 2, I cried out to the Lord in my trouble, and he answered me. I called to the Lord from the land of the dead, and that actually means sheol or hell, an earthly hell, and the Lord heard me. He heard me. I wrote this down. We get to a point of brokenness so we can be fixed. Breakdown brings breakthrough. Break the ground. Sometimes soft words don't penetrate, don't cut to wake us up. Sometimes soft words don't penetrate, don't cut, don't wake us up. In the same way, we need a hard shovel to break up hard soil. Jesus sometimes has to use hard words to break up a hard heart. He told me that this week. Sometimes, you, it, it, sometimes it takes a pick, man, a pick and a shovel. If a heart's hard, you got to break it. That's why the word's called a hammer sometimes. Amen? The author C.S. Lewis said this. This came to me on that silence and loneliness. God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to arouse a deaf and dying world. Pain, brokenness, and feeling lousy make us ready to change. It can, it can be a messy and a hard process, however, but we can get through. Rebellion and pride. I just kept getting all these thoughts, and I want to read them all. Rebellion and pride is, listen to this, rebellion is like drinking salt water. Have you ever tried to quench a thirst but realize you're at the wrong source? Rebellion is like salt water. You're dying of thirst and you need a drink, but you realize you're at the wrong source. God forgives the broken. Hebrews 8, 12, write that down. And Hebrews 10, 17, God forgives the broken. God rebuilds and heals the broken. Isaiah 57, 14 and 15. I'll read the end of that. It says, I live, God says, I live in the high and holy place with those who are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and I revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Grace comes to us. Grace came to me in my darkest hour. The reason I'm reading some of this stuff is it was just the way it came, came to me. In the, stillness when, in the stillness is when you begin to hear God's whisper of grace. The law was given through Moses, but grace came. Grace and truth came through loving Jesus Christ. Grace comes and begins to melt away the crust on our heart. Grace shows me the difference in Christianity that I thought I knew in the Christianity that the New Testament tells me about. This book isn't a rule book. It's a love letter. I'm not an employee. I'm a child. It's not about my performance. 
It's about his performance. Grace isn't there for some future me. I want you to get this. Grace isn't there for some future me. We really want that to get in. Grace isn't there for what Brian wants to, for some future me. But grace is there now for the real me. You feel God's love in that? Grace isn't there for the future me. Grace is right here now for the real me. It gets a little messy. Amen? Jesus, grace isn't there. The, the me who struggles, the me who is messy, the me who has addictions, the me who doesn't have all the answers, the me who fights fear and insecurity. Jesus came and his grace loved me in my mess. He's not want, waiting till I clean myself up. This truth changed my life, and I'm convinced can change yours. The greatest power on earth is released. And there is a resolve to be courageous in a time of brokenness. I close with Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem, you can say my life is in ruins and my gates have been destroyed by fire. Okay, that's viewing your situation and having a truthful inspection. But look at this. But let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. I love how that ends. And let's end this disgrace. Is that penetrating anybody besides me? View your current situation. Be truthful. Repent and get to a place of brokenness. Get get to a place where you're broke, where you can be fixed. See it. Inspect it. Go to the center core. Right in the devil's domain. Right at the origin of the hurt or the pain. It could be something that happened to you when you were a child that's still affecting you as an adult. Go to the source. Go to the source that causes the depression, that causes the discouragement, that causes the insecurities, that causes the sadness and and oppression in life. Go to the jackal's well by the dung gate to the place of ruin and find God there in your brokenness. He is the God of the crushed, the God of the broken, the God of the contrite and the God of the repentant heart. He's the God. He can't be the resurrection until the death. That's why Christ says that we have to be crucified with Christ, that the life we now live, that the crucifixion has to happen 
before the resurrection of new life has to happen. We have to be dead with Christ. Crucified life. Crucified emotions. Crucified. If it's pain or if it's hurt or something and and, and it's not something like you're up in arms about, you still have to put your, your pain at the foot of the cross. But when you go to that core and you have that truthful inspection, the truth can and will set you free. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.